At Kroger, fresh groceries are our thing. So we check your delivery order for freshness at every step from farm to store and pick and pack every veggie in your free pickup order with care because we treat your food the way we'd want ours to be treated. We're fresh every day, so shop anyway. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. You have tuned in to Kingdom Encounter with Glenn Blakeney. Connect with us for powerful, life-changing teaching and guest interviews that will inspire you with hope and equip you with the knowledge and skills needed to fulfill your destiny in the kingdom of God. Now, here is Glenn Blakeney. Uh, I just want to share briefly with us this morning, and I'd like you to take your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to just read the first two verses here, Romans chapter 12. This is actually um, a very, very familiar two verses of Scripture. Paul is speaking to the church, and he says, Okay, brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, I want to talk today about why we as human beings find it difficult to change. Now, there are some changes that are absolutely critical in life to make. Some of us may be in a situation where you need to change. For example, if your health is in a bad state, you have to change or you're going to be in trouble. You might have an addiction that is not good and it's, it's hindering you and potentially could destroy you. So you've got to change. You know you need to change. You know there's things that you have to change in your life. So why is it that we find so difficult to change? Because, let me just say this. It's, you know, I've, I've said this before, that our desire to move on has to be stronger than our desire to hold on. We have to be willing to make that change, and we have to value that more than the cost required to implement that change. Here's the bottom line. A lot of us want to change, correct? 2017 New Year's resolutions. This is the perfect time for a fresh start in our life. And so every January, many people make these resolutions, whether it's weight loss, exercise, I'm not going to smoke, you know, I'm not going to spend as much time on Facebook, I'm going to connect with my family members, Uh, whatever it may be, it's a time where we make these resolutions. But on average, do you know that most resolutions last just two weeks? Two weeks. In fact, I just read online that gym owners experience a 33 to 50 percent increase in memberships in January. Out of those, 80 percent drop off by the second week of February. <laughs> All right? Okay. So, what that means is that 
only 1% to 2% of those who are in that initial spike remain for the rest of the year. So this tells us something about human nature and how well equipped we are to set goals and follow through, doesn't it? So change is something that we talk about, but we find it difficult. Why is it is difficult for us to embrace change? Well, I'll tell you why. The reason why is we are not prepared to change the contributing behavior in other words, I want to change, I want to begin to do this, I want to become a stronger, healthier person, I want to become smarter, whatever it may be, but there is a price that we have to pay in order to get there, and it's called bad habits. We have to give up bad habits. And it's a difficult thing for us as human beings to give up bad habits. Psychologists have discovered that the primary reason people fail at attaining the goals they set is because they're just not really ready to change their habits. You know, have you ever done that? Like, I'm going to start, you know, doing this, and let's just, let's just make it real. I'm going to eat clean, Okay. And I'm going to start eating clean, no more junk food. And then what happens is all of a sudden, boom, something's put in front of you. And uh, you're like, oh, wow. And see, you've not been to that place where you've necessarily prepared yourself for what it's going to do. And Jesus told us it's very important that we count the cost before we do anything. Didn't he? He said, count the cost. Before you say yes, before you put your hand up, before you say, I'm going to do this, count the cost. What is it going to require? Uh, calculate what is involved in seeing that change become a reality in your life. Fulfilling resolutions of necessity involve changing behaviors. In other words, bad habits. And in order to change a behavior, do you know what has to happen? Our thinking has to change. And in order for our thinking to change, we have to rewire our brains. So what does the Bible say about this? The Bible says a lot about this. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I want to read this to you from the J.B. Phillips translation. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Listen to this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves toward the goals of true maturity. So don't allow the world to squeeze you into its pattern. Don't allow the world to mold you into its way, but allow your life to be changed, to be transformed is the word that is used. And it's an inward work is what the meaning of the word actually is. See, when the world conforms, it's an outward pressure that is brought to bear on your life, on my life, to cause us to conform to the ways of the world. But this inward transformation that God speaks about is something that takes place only through the power of his word. Now, listen, you can't change, and there's some things here. Now, I'm not just talking about coping mechanisms. There's so much more to it. 
I'm talking about real, profound, radical, lasting change. As Christians, guess what? We got a leg up on the world. You know why? Because we actually have the ability to experience change supernaturally. And while that happens, it's because when you're truly born again, the Bible says that we become a partaker of the divine nature. That means that God's nature is now in us. 2 Peter 1.4, Ephesians 4.24. It says in the, in the Old Testament in Ezekiel that God want, gives his people in the new covenant a new heart and a heart that desires to do his will, a heart that delights in, obedi- in being obedient to him. So here's what happens. When you're in the world, by nature, you do the things that the world wants you to do. Now, there's, a, there's a, this external warfare, there's this, this external fighting that takes place that we're, we read about in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 16. Here's what it says. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, listen to this, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Did you hear that? When you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now listen to this. And then it says this, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. So one translation says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is that? Well, it's what you see that is brought towards you. So you look at that. It's the inward desires that you have that are part of because of, of your sinful nature. And then there's this whole thing. The pride of life literally means when you boast of what you have, what you own, what you possess, or what you can do. That's what it means. So this stuff is of the world. It's not of God. God says, I want to change you, but I'm going to change you from the inside out. The first thing you have to experience is the new birth. Because when you experience the new birth, you have a new heart, you have a new mind, and God begins to change you from the inside out. And so what happens is all of a sudden you get into this tension where in the past you just naturally did the things that the world alert set before you. you. You responded to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That was your natural response because when you were in in the world, you were living and, and, and fulfilling the desires of your sinful nature, and so it was natural for you to do those things. But when you're born again, something has changed. Now, religion cannot change your heart. Psychology tells you, just discipline yourself, start new habits, and those new habits will eventually displace uh, the bad habits and then eventually potentially replace those bad habits. Well, as we saw, that's not working for the vast majority of humankind. So here we have a situation where we recognize what God says is my way is to change you from the inside out. And I'll give you a new heart, and I'll give you a new desire. I'll put my very nature in you. I'll put my Holy Spirit in you, and I will literally work in you to will and to do my good pleasure. So now all of a sudden, okay, here I am. Man, when I was in the world, I did this, I did this. Then you become born again, and all of a sudden, there's this conflict because you, the things that you did in the world is no longer something that you necessarily find fulfilling. In fact, the Holy Spirit turns the pressure up and the heat on you, and you feel convicted. Ah, this isn't right. I shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. See, listen to me. I could preach a sermon, and trust me, I know how to manipulate crowds. Okay? I've studied psychology. I know what to do to get a response from people. 
But I want to tell you this. Nothing can change, is lasting unless it comes from a heart that has changed. Now, I'm not saying we don't stumble. We don't make mistakes. But the bottom line is, it's not if you feel, if you feel uh, pressured to respond out of guilt, out of a sense of uh, failure. That's not going to last. That change or change that is attempted to be implemented in your life, motivated by guilt or failure, will not last. What happens is we have to recognize that what God has done, first and foremost, is he's given us a new nature. Read 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. It says very clearly in 1 John 3, verse 9, that God has given us his very nature. His life is now in us. And as a result of that, it's no longer natural for us to live according to the desires of our flesh. So this conflict takes place. Look at this. No one born begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. For God's nature abides in him, his principle of life, the divine sperm. Why does it use that word? Because that's what the Greek word literally means. It remains permanently within him, and he cannot practice sinning because he's born begotten of God. What happens is God says, look, I'm changing you, and I'll change your desires. Have you ever, you know, if you do something long enough, do you know what takes place when you go back to your old ways? It's like, ah, I don't like that, right? If you eat healthy for a long enough period of time and then you eat junk food, guess what happens? Ew, nasty, right? I can't eat this stuff. Because you've literally, something has changed. So God is saying, what I've done is now I put my desires in you because I'm in you. My nature is in you. And what will happen if you will allow my nature to be the, the, you know, the prevailing strength and power operating in your life and you'll no longer respond to your desires, then you will see change take place in your life. All right, let me show you something. The word that is translated in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word that is translated transformed is also translated elsewhere in the New Testament, transfigured. Do you remember when Jesus went to the top of the mountain and he was in the presence of his father? The glory of God was so strong and intense and his face shone with the glory of God. His clothes were exceedingly white. And the Bible says that he was transfigured in the presence of his father. That's the exact same word. So there's this work of transfiguration that God wants to do in our lives. It's an inward work. It's a work of his presence. It's a work of his glory that changes us from the inside out. Look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 for a moment. This is the verse 17. We sing about it. We've quoted it. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Hallelujah. Then it says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. There's the same word. It literally means transfigured. We are being transfigured into the same image. Into what same image? The very image of God from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, let me read this to you from the Amplified, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty 
emancipation from bondage, freedom. Hallelujah. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, what he's saying is there is a work that God says, I will change you, but I do it from the inside out. So, what do we do? How do we experience change? Very simply stated, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And as we behold the glory of the Lord, it changes us. He changes us. And so the whole concept here is people who, listen to me, the reality is, can I just say this? Is this all right if I just say it? The church in many places, particularly in the Western nations, is not preaching the word of God. They're not preaching the power of God. Is The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. They're preaching psychology and human effort as a way to try to discipline yourself. And that's not the way the, is at all what the Bible teaches. The way we change, guys, we have something the world, if they could get a hold of this and we've got it, they would be absolutely blown away and they would probably pay any price to get it. But it's not for sale. It's a gift. We have the ability to see people's lives change, our lives change, because of the glory of God. Now, here's how it works. In 2017, don't necessarily just say, hey, you know what, I'm going to sign up for a, a gym membership or whatever, uh, because you know that's not going to last too long, okay? Now, some people do it. I've got friends. There's people in this church that do it. You guys are consistent. You work out all the time. That's great. But I'm saying a lot of people, the reality is they just don't do it. But here's how we change. How do we change? Don't focus on the behavior. Because do you understand that for every problem, every challenge that you have in life, God has a promise in his word. Like, for example, man, I don't know if I can do that. Well, what does the Bible say? Yeah, I can do all things through Christ. What? Now listen to me. Here's where we get it wrong. So we quote that scripture and we think that's it. If I just quote that, if I verbalize that, then, you know what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then we fall. Then we fail. And we don't change. Why? Because Christ who strengthens me. That's the key. It's not just a case of saying God gives me strength. There's an actual process that you have to engage in in order to access the supernatural power and strength of the Lord. How do you do that? You spend time in his presence. You stay connected to him. And I've used this illustration. And guys, I want to tell you, we can, we can preach this every Sunday and it will never get old. Do you know why? Because Jesus, understanding that he knew he was going to only be on planet earth for about another seven days, he began to tell his followers, this is the key to see change in your life. This is the key to walk in the supernatural power of my father. And he began to speak about a common Palestinian vineyard. And he said, my father is the husband man. I'm the vine. You're the branches. If you want to bear fruit in your life, just stay connected to the vine and the life that is in the vine will flow into the branches and it will bear good fruit. Bearing fruit is the promise. Abiding is the process. If we abide, he will provide. Hallelujah. 
And that's the truth of what he says in his word. He will provide if we abide. If we stay connected, the life, the very nature of God flows into us and begins to change us. Here's an interesting verse. Let me close with this. Psalm 37, 4. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. Correct? Now, the reality is, the first thing is, and look at this, guys. There's a promise and there's a process. The promise is that God will give you the desires of your heart. The process is we have to delight ourselves in the Lord. So for every, pro- for every problem, there's a promise, but for every promise, there's a process. All right? So if we delight, if we abide, he'll provide. So he's saying what you need to do is delight yourself in the Lord. Now, let me just explain to you what the word delight actually means. Are you ready? The word delight is a very, very powerful word. It literally has the idea of being um, pliable, of being soft, and it literally means to take exquisite delight in something when it's metaphorically. So, when you say you delight in God, it means that you take exquisite delight in him. That you just want to be with God. You just want to be around him. You just want to spend time with him. You just want to be in his presence. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 2. The Lord cries out to Israel and he says, I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through a land not sown. There was a time, Revelation 2, 4, first love. When you first loved me, when you first desired, wanted to be around me, you didn't just, you know, serve me because, for the things that I could give you. I mean, what kind of setup would that be? Where, hey, you know what, I just married you for your money. But listen, the reality is God's saying, no, 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 I want a relationship. And I'm telling you that if you will delight yourself in me, if you will make it your aspiration and your purpose just to know me, just to walk with me, just to spend time in my presence, he said, I will give you the desires of your heart. And how this works is when we spend time in his presence, the desires of our heart change. In fact, when you're so enamored and and enriched by, by the love of someone else and the love for someone else, guess what takes place? You really don't even care necessarily what you do. Yeah, I remember, you know, when Lynn and I, when we were teenagers, we've been married for a long time, and we started dating when we were teenagers. And when we we're teenagers, you know what? We wouldn't necessarily make any plans to do anything. We just make plans to get together. Let's just get together. Well, what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's just spend time together. Let's just catch up. Let's just do that. And then it was like, well, what do you want to do? I really didn't care what we did. I just wanted to be with her. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Don't start that again. (laughs) The fact is, we want to just be together and that's the goal. The goal isn't what we're doing, but the goal is being together. And when that becomes the, the way you live in your relationship with God, then guess what happens? You really don't care about your plans because you just want to be with Him. 
And then what happens is God begins to reveal his heart to you. He begins to show you the things that are important to you, and everything changes. Because it is true that if you spend enough time with a person, you begin to think like that person. You know what they're thinking. You know what they're, gonna, what they're saying. And, and you can sometimes even start talking like that person. So God's saying, let me change you. Delight yourself in me. And all of a sudden, God says, because you're delighting in me, I'm going to give you desires. They're my desires. They're the desire of my heart, but you will own them. You will possess them. And now it will become what you desire. And as you pray and as you seek the Lord, all of a sudden, everything changes. And it all has to do with seeking God and spending time with him. It literally means when you spend time seeking God, knowing God, walking with God, abiding in Him, guess what takes place? The Bible says if you love the things of the world, 1 John 2, 15, the love of the Father is not in you. Why? If you love the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Why? Because you're not delighting in Him. Now, when it says the love of, it can also be saying the love of and the love for. Here's the way it works. 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love him because he first loved us. Because we know his love, we're experiencing his love, guess what takes place? We begin to love him. We want to do his will. We want to obey him. We want to do those things that are pleasing in him because we are, we are literally receiving his love. So the love from the Father becomes such a revelation in our lives where we know who he is, how much he loves us, and then all of a sudden we reciprocate that. We love him because he first loved us. That's the way it works. It will change your life if you will get a hold of this. So in the year 2017, this year, listen guys, everyone wants a quick fix. And I believe God does miracles. I've seen people instantaneously delivered and healed. I believe that. But I've also seen people that were healed and delivered go back to their old ways. And the fact is, God is calling us to steward what he wants to do in our lives. And so, yes, today God can heal you. Yes, today God can deliver you. Yes, God today can literally break the chains that might be holding you. But the reality is, it's up for you and me to maintain that. God wants to set his people free. We're here in the presence of the Lord. Can we just bow our heads for a moment, please? We're here in his presence. He's ready. He wants to change us. If you are addicted to something, if you are dealing with sickness, disease, tormenting thoughts, no matter what it is, that's your struggle. Jesus is here. He wants to help you. But I will say that Jesus wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to delight in him. And as you delight in him, he's going to change your desires. And you're like, well, I've always struggled with this. I've always had these desires. And you're like, oh, I'm going to try to overcome these desires. I'm just going to resist that temptation. But it's not working. Because you're going about it the wrong way, guys. 
He's saying it's not enough to just try to resist the temptation. You've got to get into the word. You've got to get into his presence. And as you make that your focus, he'll change the desires of your heart. Thanks for tuning in to Kingdom Encounter with Glenn Blakeney. To learn more about us, including how to connect to our kingdom community, please visit our website, awakenations.org. Again, that website address is awakenations.org. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can receive powerful, life-changing teaching. We appreciate that effort, and we hope you'll join us again in the next episode of Kingdom Encounter. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.